0: Welcome to episode 33 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in downtown Thomasville, Georgia, and today I'm joined by Sue Cerulean, an author and naturalist from nearby Tallahassee, Florida. Sue will be joining us in the store on Thursday, July 23rd from 5 to 7 p.m. for a shelf talk and signing in honor of her newest book, Coming to Pass. Today, we'll be talking to Sue about our beautiful part of the country, what makes it unique, and what we can do to keep it vibrant. Let's get started. Hi, Sue. Thanks for joining me today.
1: I'm so glad to be talking with you, Annie. I really am.
0: Um, We have been looking forward to Thursday's event so much. We've got so many people in Thomasville and in the surrounding areas who, like you, are passionate about the coast. And I was curious where you grew up or where you call home, and I wondered if that influenced your love of the water.
1: I think it definitely did. I, I actually grew up in relationship to the coast kind of like... In Thomasville, do to the North Florida coast, and that is, uh, you know, a, a, a distance, a small distance away. So it made it made it into something that was really special, and that you looked forward to, and that was a bit of a journey. I did grow up in the foothills of New Jersey. Okay. Most people don't know New Jersey has foothills, but you do, <laughs> and, um, so we would go to the Jersey Shore as often as we could. My mother was really a, a water lover, and she, I think it was as so often as the case, it was my mother's enthusiasm about going to the water as the most important thing. And so here I am, myself, living about 30 miles from the North Florida coast. And I always wonder, you know, what would it take for me to actually live there? I don't know. but. <laughs> I call Tallahassee home now, and I have for about 30 years.
0: Okay, my my husband grew up in Alabama, which is a little more landlocked. So he, you know, he really loves lakes. And um, when we first met, I desperately wanted to show him. The coast, and, and the coast I grew up with, um, I grew up in Tallahassee, and the coast I grew up with was St. George and Cape Sandblast, um, which are very different even from other Gulf Coast, coast beaches, and so um, I kind of wanted to introduce him to that because it was such a huge part of my growing up, and um, now I keep telling him one day we have to, like the goal is to move closer and closer to the water. <laughs> So I totally
1: get that, Annie. I totally get
0: that. It's just part of how I was raised. And um, my family frequently talks about the healing powers of the water. And I really believe that to be true. And so my happiest moments, I think, are closer to the coast.
1: I'm right with you. I'm right there with you. But there's something also to be said for, especially when it's not this time of year, for the leafy green interior
0: yes absolutely in fact um, a couple of summers ago I went out to Colorado and uh, I have a best friend who lives out there and it is beautiful mountains I mean just gorgeous but I really found myself missing the trees (laughs) <laughs> and um, yeah. that is something you don't fully appreciate until you move away from it. Um, that's right. Because Tallahassee and Thomasville both have these beautiful canopy roads, and um, there's something so unique and special about them.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I think if we lived at the coast, we would also miss not not just the trees. That would be the main thing, but, but our gardens.
0: Oh, yes. Um,
1: you know, both both. For beauty and for and for food, and it doesn't seem like people succeed real well with uh, growing vegetables up, you know, right on the coast. Absolutely. Gardens at Saint Teresa. St. George, for it,
0: example. Yes, you're right. Um, speaking of food, there's been this movement, I think in recent years, but it may really have been much longer than that, but this movement to eat locally and to shop locally. Um, but, you know, all these farm to table restaurants, and um, even I just think about my parents. Um, my dad loves to garden, and they're really into living off of their small little plot of, uh, of land right now. And I wonder how do those principles align with your own missions and purposes? And do you think we're headed in the right direction? Do you think this movement is maybe making some positive changes overall?
1: Boy, it sure seems to me in um, my lifetime that that we're definitely heading in the right direction with this um, local food movement. And it's been to see how it's mushroomed, especially in Georgia. Georgia has just an amazing local food and, and, and small farmer movement. Yes. Um, one, one of my very good friends um, and the writer Janice Ray is real involved in that up in um, Reedsville, Georgia and so I hear a lot about it and it's just remarkable. It's It's, it's more of a unified movement i think in georgia than it is in florida but north florida has plenty of action and i guess what you were asking was how i think i'm like your parents my husband and i are part of a community garden and uh, we grow most of the vegetables we eat we freeze we freeze them and um, it's not just a, a task but it's and it's not a hobby either. It's something we do together that's really gives us a lot of pleasure with our neighbors.
0: Oh yes, yeah, commun—really uh, communal.
1: Yeah, it is. We—it's not even on our uh, property. It's on somebody else's property. So I think that that is—it's um, really wonderful. And I—and I know that um, some people say to me, "Yeah, but you've maybe you've got more leisure time," and but we only do it on the weekends and um i think for but for people that are in the middle class that it's a it's very doable it's just a matter of of choice—is that how you want to spend your time but we love it so we do
0: exactly it's and just I, a priority yeah. thing
1: and i think that um it's it's really really related to this larger issue of um, how we're going to live on this planet with so many people and especially as Americans it seems to me that we have we have a big responsibility to try to uh, reduce our footprint including how we eat and how we shop and, and, and where we get water because we're only 5% of the world's population but we take something like 30% of the earth's resources
0: wow. and I think
1: maybe china's outstripping us now but we still have to get a grip on that and you know so the way to an obvious way to do that is to kind of unhook from industrial the industrial economy and and work on this local economy and so we i love to eat at only restaurants that are you know run by local people and have some local food and we definitely don't drink bottled water, we don't eat much meat you know, people are better But, but I think it's you know, I try to make it something of a
0: priority. Yeah, and I think there are small ways. I think sometimes people get overwhelmed by, uh, you know, by the problem and forget that there are little ways that you can change your own lifestyle or adjust your lifestyle and it doesn't have to be earth-shattering. It can just be, you know, as small as, you know last summer i grew my own tomatoes and every little bit helps like and and so you can start small you don't have to tackle this very big problem with a very big solution you can you can adjust it to fit your lifestyle and gradually move up to larger changes
1: yeah i really agree with you and i think that so that what that means is that everybody can take part in this kind of uncoupling from having corporations only feed mm-hmm. us or, you know, deliver us goods, we can take charge and that's a good feeling.
0: Absolutely. Um, I. So I've read bits and pieces of your book. I think I've told you before. My Actually, my family has really f- um, fallen in love with your book, Coming to Pass. Yeah, and so um, nice. Yes, and they're going to be joining us on Thursday, so I'm pretty excited about that. But, um, I actually also was going through your blog today um, Uh and I really enjoyed so many of your posts. You have a beautiful way with words and so much of your writing seems to be about paying attention to the world around us. Yes. And and we live in such a technology driven age that paying attention can be tough and so I was curious how you stay focused.
1: Do you mean specifically in writing or just
0: in general? I think I think twofold, I guess. In general, because I'm just curious how you purposefully pay attention to. There was a post you wrote about going on a bike ride. Yeah. And, and paying attention to the snake in your path or the noises of the birds. And I guess I just, like, what do you do to make that possible? And then in your writing, too, how do you sit down and kind of focus on your work?
1: Uh-huh. Well, first of all, let me say that I have the same, uh, I would be dishonest if I didn't tell you that my devices are, you know, have a grip on me like they do on everybody (laughs) else to a certain extent. Um, I, you know, I read recently something about how the reason we check our our, um, email and our you know, our different social media so frequently is because every time it, there's this little bit of dopamine that gets released when you get, somebody likes you or uh-huh. or reads what you have to say and says something back. So I, I can't say that I'm not, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not completely hooked at all. <laughs> but when I go out, um, which I try to do as often as I can, and especially in the cooler weather, I, I try to put my phone on airplane mode and only use it for pictures. Oh, good idea. Um, And I definitely try not to. I don't listen to music or podcasts or anything like that when I'm when I'm out in nature. I do when I'm driving in a car, but um, I just try to be there. And when I'm, the the, it's, the way to really simply do that is to just. Work with your senses, mm-hmm. um, which is how you know we came, we evolved with these beautiful ways of uh, being in the world, and so just listening, you know, looking, smelling, touching, um, all those things. Um, it just puts me into such a state of gratitude for most of what you know. If I'm in a wild place, which is where I would normally choose to be. Mm-hmm. And if you get out there, like last night we took our kayaks down to the St. Mark's River and we knew there was the possibility of a storm and just um, the just being there and gauging how far we went and what kind of risk we were willing to take against the sky, mm-hmm. that's, that's a way to focus. You know, if yeah. you're thinking um, am I going to Be in the path of lightning or not? That's That's a really great focus. Yes, (laughs) you know, just to just to put yourself in the elements, and then um, gauge what makes sense as a as a you know more from an animal point of view than a than a brain in a jar. You know
0: what I mean? Yes, absolutely.
1: And then when I'm writing, um, it's hard, but because I don't because I write at home. and and I don't have a eight to five structure anymore. I just, um, you know, I do what makes sense for the projects I'm working on. But I always um, try to approach it. The only way I can really get going is to approach it with um, some kind of um, ritual intent, you know, sitting down saying, okay, this is almost sacred. This can be sacred time. I might set a timer and say, just do it for 15 minutes, and then um, if if you just can't get anything going, then you can go cut up a watermelon or something for a (laughs) while, but I try to, you know, do it in manageable amounts of time, and that's when I teach writing classes, Uh, I think that writing in, writing with real purpose and focus, but in blocks of times that you can manage.
0: Yes, like just like anything else, I think just these smaller, yeah. the baby steps make it a little yeah, more doable.
1: Right, and but yet saying for this amount of time, whatever it's going to be, I'm not going to be looking at my phone or my iPad. Right, it's not. That's you know.
0: Yes, yeah, so focusing on one. The going to have to wait. <laughs> right. Yes, so let's see if there's anything.
1: Uh, and then being outside um, is really important. To, to me, and I think for most people in the South, that's something. And then I try to make myself accountable to um, a few friends uh, and my sister and my husband, and say I'm working on this project. So they'll ask me about it, and <laughs> then I have to, you know, say, well, I did it or I didn't do it. Right. And I always, I always, I always write towards or about things that I want to know the answer to. Mm-hmm. So for example, in the Coming to Pass book, I really didn't know how those islands were formed, and I wanted to know. Mm-hmm. I thought that would just be really interesting. So that became my project, and I spent a lot, a number of years on it. But I think I understand the process now, and that was really satisfying.
0: So Right. So you kind of, I feel like a lot of writers kind of write with a question in mind that they they want to resolve. And it turns out so many of us have those same questions too. And so um, I think that's what that's makes, a nice thing. It's yeah. a nice thing when it happens, isn't it? Yes, yeah, very um, kind of serendipitous, I think. Um, so we now have talked about this beautiful part of the country that we live in. And we hopefully have, I believe we have, podcast listeners kind of all over. Um and our part of the country is beautiful but I feel like it doesn't and this could just be my own bias but I feel like it doesn't often make the news or maybe it's not what people focus on when they think of Florida they might think of Miami or uh, I mentioned my husband from Alabama when he came home with me for the first time he asked me where all the palm trees were (laughs) like and and North Florida certainly does have pockets of that but we just live in kind of a unique part of the country and now that I live in Thomasville I think the same thing is true it's really a uniquely beautiful part of the United States and so I was curious what your favorite thing was about where we live and what you wish people knew about our part of the country oh
1: that's a great question Um, you know I really Got into this um, question when I helped edit uh, the book Between Two Rivers, which I'm going to be bringing to you tomorrow. And a lot of people around here, when that book came out about ten years ago, really loved it because it dis- it answers that question: What is special mm-hmm. about where we live? And in my mind, you know, there's many things, but but what I love and what I learned in in the process of of pulling together those essays is how our region, um, which goes from north from Boston, Georgia, mm-hmm. which is north of you, all the way to the coast, and then out to the Oconee River or the Apalachicola, and then the Osceola to the east. It's like a, a piece of land that's kind of embraced by these rivers,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's got it's got the Gulf on the bottom and the rivers. Running through it, and it's linked. What I so the, what I'm saying that I that I think is really special is the way the water links all the land. Mm-hmm. So there's all these rivers: the Wastissa, the Wacola, the Osoa, the Acklakny, and then all the ones in the national forest, the St. Marks, and then west to the Apalachicola, And you just think about all those rivers, kind of meandering north to south, and bringing. Clay from up in your part of the bioregion down to the gulf to build the islands. Isn't that a great
0: thought? Yes, I love I that. I love
1: that. Yeah, so that's what I love, that, it's, that it can be so kind of, it is, it hangs together in a beautiful way. The earth made it that way, and we get to, you know, explore it and enjoy it and um, see it for what it is. So that's what I love.
0: I think that's what I love, too, because now that you've worded it that way, it kind of makes me think, oh, well, no wonder I feel so connected to the water because I grew up right in the middle of it all. (laughs) That's right,
1: Annie. That's exactly
0: right. Lucky you. Lucky me, absolutely. Um, so, you talked about um, exploration and you mentioned going kayaking. And I have a brother who rock climbs and who kayaks. And I feel like we are very fortunate to have so many different outlets for our exploration. Um, oh. but if somebody is kind of a novice explorer and um maybe they aren't used to adventuring maybe like you do or like my brother does what would you recommend or where would you recommend they go in our area for some one-on-one time with nature what are your favorite spots
1: well if you work your way from north to south again i would start at Birdsong Nature Center. And uh-huh. probably everybody in Thomasville knows about Birdsong. Yes. But that is, they have wonderful um, guided walks and and celebrations. And it's just a really beautiful, well-managed piece of land that, that you can learn. You can learn while you're there. So that, that would be my, my northern bioregion pick. And then as you move south, um, Let's see. I think a really nice, easy um, get-to-know-the-place hike is the Leon Sinks Trail. Uh, it's on the it's off the Crawfordville Highway south of Tallahassee, and you go, you get, you really get a sense of sinkholes. Mm-hmm. So that would be another one. Then Wakulla Springs always. Oh yes, the boat the boat tour, and then. There's a refuge in the State Park that I really love. I, I think I think anybody can find something to love about Saint Mark's yes. National Wildlife Refuge. Yes. And again they have great interpretation and they have um, you know, monarch butterfly festivals and stuff like that. And then the other place that's so family friendly, uh, and wonderful swimming is the Clockney River State Park. Have you ever been down there?
0: Oh yes, I have, yes.
1: Yeah of course you have. Well that that's another really big favorite in in my mind. So those are the four places that I think anybody could start with and not feel intimidated, you know, it would be a successful mission, as long as you didn't go, like, right now, 3 o'clock in the afternoon (sighs) in July.
0: Right. I know, I was just thinking, oh, all of that sounds so lovely, except right now. (laughs) Right now,
1: the only thing I can recommend is to go jump in Wakala Springs. Yes, I (laughs) agree. And that is a good, that would be a good thing to
0: do. That would be. In fact, um, I'm not sure, one time, um, I went to Blue Springs, I think is the name of it. Um, I feel like it's near maybe Monticello. Anyway, it was beautiful yes. and really fun. That
1: is a gorgeous one. And there's another Blue Spring out to the west. And I, I think it's near Mariana. Yeah, it's north of Mariana. And that is another beauty. And I, I, I know I went those places so much more when I had younger children. Uh-huh. And then they got to be teenagers and they did it on their own and now they all live somewhere else. So I I don't (laughs) go to those places as much, but they're really, really great places to take kids.
0: Yes, they'd be great, especially while it's so sweltering outside. That's
1: right. That's
0: right. Um, let's move to the more literary side of things. And I would love to know who some of your favorite writers are. Who inspires you?
1: Long list. It's just, it's just terrible how long my list is. Um, my, I think my number one all-time favorite is Barbara Kingsolver.
0: Oh
1: yeah. Especially her earlier novels. Um, I have read some of her books three or four times. You know, when when things aren't going well in some part of my life, Barbara Kingsolver always puts it all together for me so she's she's a favorite. Okay. Um, I love Anne Patchett's novels. Oh yes. I don't and I think a lot of people heard her at The Word of the South this Spring. She's she's a fabulous writer. Yeah. I always uh, enjoy Anne Lamott. Do you know Anne Lamott?
0: Oh yeah, I love Anne Lamott.
1: She is so funny. I think humor is such a great way to reach people and I I'm not that funny and I wish I was. I <laughs> always read Anything she
0: writes, she so she gets um, away with a lot because she's funny. She does. <laughs>
1: That's a great way to put it. Yeah. She does. Um, yeah, she writes about things that you just can't even believe yeah. that she's admitting to, but <laughs> she she does it from a very humble point of view, and she makes fun of herself. I really like
0: her a lot. She's, she
1: really helped me learn how to be a writer. She's got a book called Bird by Bird. Oh yes a great writer's manual. Um, I like Connie May Fowler, is a Florida-based writer who I love. Okay. And I also like Sue Monk Kidd, oh, yes. who is a, a Southern woman writer. She wrote, what's the name of that book? The Secret Life of Bees. Yes. One of my all-time favorite books. And then there's, there's um, let's see, one of my most current favorite Male writers is a guy from Portland named Brian Doyle. Okay. D O Y L E. Okay. And he is incredibly prolific and, and uses really beautiful language. I like him a lot. And then I have some poets that I don't know if you do this too, Annie. But I'm like when I need you know inspiration or just like a spirit lifting read I often return to poets, including you know Mary Oliver, everybody loves uh, Mary Oliver. Yes. Linda Hogan is another one I love. And Janice Ray again, she's a wonderful nonfiction writer, but I think her poetry lifts her above and beyond. She's inspired. she really is. Oh, good. Um, so those are, those are some of them, but that is certainly not all of them. I, what
0: are yours? Well, you know, I'm actually laughing at your list because you and I have some similar tastes, which is very fun. Um, I because um, Barbara Kingsolver. Actually, I've mentioned my parents already a couple of times, but my dad is currently reading um, Animal Vegetable Miracle. Oh. Um, a- animal Vegetable. Is it Miracle or? I think so. Okay. Yes. yes. Okay. So that's what he's reading right now, and I I always love that. Um, I was raised in a home of readers, and so I can have these really great conversations with my parents about what they're reading. Um, but Barbara Kingsolver is uh, one of mine. Um, I I really enjoy Marilyn Robinson. Um, uh-huh. She wrote Gilead, which I think is just one yeah. of the most beautiful books in recent memory. Um, and then, uh, actually... Uh, a book that I just finished, um, that I keep raving to everybody about, um, is Station Eleven by Emily St. Mandel. Oh, I've got to write that down. I don't, I haven't read that. Oh, it's so good. It's really I'll beautiful. I'll buy it at your store tomorrow. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, it's, Great. it's so good. Um, but yes I just love that I always like to ask writers who they read because the best writers are really good readers so I always like to know what's on people's nightstands and um, I actually am curious what books you recommend specifically about the environment and nature so I know um, in Thomasville and also in my own family Wendell Berry comes up in conversation all the time Um, and Actually, a book that is on my list that, believe it or not, I have never read is um, A Land Remembered. Um, Oh, that's such a good book. Yeah, so I have not actually ever read it. So it is on my summer reading list that I made for myself. Um, And it's another one that my dad just picked up, so I'll be looking forward to talking to him about it when I finish. But So Wendell Berry, um, This Land Remembered. I was just curious what other books, specifically maybe about Our Neck of the Woods, you would recommend. Well,
1: definitely for Georgians. If they haven't read Ecology of a Cracker Childhood by Janice Ray, that's a that's a definite. Okay. And I bet a lot of people have. Yes. But she's from um, further north in Georgia, but that is an that is a staggering book about our region. I think the Between Two Rivers collection of essays is really really good. It's got about 30 different writers from Georgia and North Florida. I'll tell you what, you just can't do any better. Then um, June Bailey White and Rob White.
0: Oh yes, uh,
1: from Thomasville. Yes, he, he, all her books, and then Rob White, her brother, who's no longer alive. He wrote the funniest, side-splitting, um, most out-of-the you know just extraordinary books um, and essays about about our coast. About Thomas still, but mostly about uh, Dog Island and growing up along, along, uh, along just to the west of Lanark in that area. Their house, their child—a house that they used to go to—is still there. And I think of him all the time because he, he just again enters the landscape with humor, and that's such a nice thing.
0: Oh, it's such a, a gift. Nice thing. Yes.
1: So, so definitely
0: have I bet you do. I, I was about to say, Ecology of a Cracker Childhood, I just had to reorder, and that is one I gifted to someone. I gifted to my brother for Christmas, and I haven't read it, and it keeps coming up in conversations and I can just tell that's a sign that I need to go ahead and read it. I, I feel like my reading list is so long but um, I really would love, now that I've moved to Thomasville, I really would like to read more about this area and really have a better grasp of, of where I live and so um, that sounds like one I need to move to the top of my list. Yeah, I think that
1: would be a good one. She might be a fun person to have. I know she would be great to have down sometime for her oh yeah reading uh, a
0: shelf a shelf talk yes i actually think her that particular book maybe has an anniversary this year i think or they're re-releasing it or something um it it came up in a catalog i was looking through the other day and it reminded me that i needed to get it back in stock so maybe we can have her at the bookshelf soon oh that sounds
1: good i'll up there and in-
0: here. yes okay so my last question and the one that i ask all of the folks who come on the podcast i'm always curious what people are reading right now so what is on your nightstand what are you reading right now
1: first i have to tell you what what i just finished that i just love so much and that was all the light we cannot see oh yes. by anthony
0: Doerr. Oh, oh so good so good Yeah,
1: it makes me want to go back and see what else he's written. Yes. I'm reading something um, kind of lighter because it kind of speaks to where I came from, which is Judy Blume's book in The Unlikely Event.
0: Yes, okay, I'm about to, that's on my list as well.
1: It's not a, like, it's not so much thought-provoking as just, it's a nice thing to read before you go to sleep. Okay that's that's how I see it yeah then I have one that I have to take my time with by a nature writer who's a Native American woman from New York State it's called Braiding Sweetgrass okay and her name is Robin Kimmerer and she's you know what I like about her is is that she's from she has um Ancestry was a, a tribe up there in um, in New York State, and we don't have the people who lived down here in uh, my part of the bioregion, almost all of them were, were killed by European diseases and or just generally killed. And so the stories of, of their land that tell them how to live in harmony with the place, they don't exist for where we are. The Cherokees have it. Um, there are some seminal, seminal things, but they're not from right here. Mm-hmm. And so I like Robin Timmerer's book because she is connected in that way and you can sort of imagine how it was. Oh,
0: interesting.
1: And the other one that's on my book stand that I haven't started yet, but I'm going to read on our vacation, is called H is for Hawk.
0: Oh, yes. memoir. Yes. Yeah. Do you, have you seen that one? Yes, in fact we've sold several copies at our store um, but I think you'll love it I've, I've only read snippets but I think you especially will really enjoy it
1: <laughs> I hope so <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested in, in sort of the memoir genre and, and whenever somebody does it so well as she seems to have it's like, oh this is going to be special
0: absolutely oh well those all sound wonderful and I can't wait I'll be sure I took notes so that I can share with our listeners some of those titles um, but thank you so much for joining me today oh
1: Amy what a, what's fun I, it makes me feel like I know you a little bit so when I come up tomorrow we weekend... can just continue the conversation
0: perfect thank you so much and um thank you everybody for listening you can find full episodes of the podcast at www.bookshelfthomasville.com as always you can also follow us on facebook at bookshelf thomasville and on twitter and instagram at bookshelf thanks for listening